Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking about power struggles and specifically power struggles with kids. And to do that, I have brought back Pascal Brady. Hello, Pascal. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to have you back. Uh, as a reminder for anyone who hasn't listened to Pascal's episode from before, uh, I met Pascal at Nanny Palooza, which another plug for Nanny Palooza. It totally changed my life. It's great. Uh, you should go next year to one of the two. Um, but yeah, so I met Pascal and she was actually talking about this subject about, uh, I think the name of the talk was Power Tools for Power Struggles. That's correct. Yeah, great. Uh, and so, and it, I was telling Pascal before we started recording that I've, I've tried a lot of these things and they've really been game changers for me as a nanny. Um, so thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. It's so good to hear, you know, because we, as parents educators, we teach these classes and then people go home and we never hear how it goes, you know, so this right. is really good to hear that it, it does have an impact and it makes a difference. So it really does. Um, nice. But yeah, and then before we get into the power struggles, uh, let's hear a little bit about your background uh, with with children and taking care of them and being a parent. I'd love to talk about that. <laughs> Can we talk just about that tonight? I would love to tell you all about my kids. Anyway, so I have two wonderful daughters who are now 17 and 19 years old. My my Suzanne is a sophomore in college and my um, my youngest is 17 years old and she's a senior in high school. And I started uh, taking parenting classes when my 19-year-old was one years old because I thought parenting was going to come super easy because I was a late mom. I was 34 when I had my first and uh, and everything was just really not going the way I had anticipated from day one. And uh, somebody told me about these wonderful parenting classes in my neighborhood and I ran there and I could never leave. So after taking each one of the classes three or four times, my husband finally said, listen, you got to stop paying for this stuff. This is ridiculous. And so the only way to continue uh, became to actually become a leader there. So I'm, I'm a senior parent educator with PEP, which is 
um, in the Washington, D.C. metro area. So we're a nonprofit organization called the Parent Encouragement Program. And we teach parent education classes for now 35 years as a nonprofit. And um, so I've been teaching with them for you do the math, like 15, 16 years, something like that. And I'm also in my other life, my, my actually uh, daytime life, I am a, a life and business coach and I, um, I'm the challenge coach. So I help people, families, individuals, career people, managers with um, challenges that they might have. And parenting is one of the challenges that, of course, I work with people on. So yes, yes, that's, that's me a in a nutshell, ever present challenge because yeah. it's always morphing, which is why I think these tools are are so important because um, the the kids as they hit new phases and new um, you know emotional levels uh, the the challenges as a nanny certainly they morph and so having tools that work really any age is is wonderful kind of approaching it. Exactly. And that's why I kept going back and wanting more and not wanting to leave to the point that when my kids became old enough, if I didn't go for a while, my kids would say, Mom, you're misbehaving. You need to go back and teach another pet class. <laughs> but that's the, and the thing is, that's that's exactly right. They they each they they, they reach develop. Uh, I'm sorry, they reach different developmental milestones. And once they do, the problems that you thought you had solved pop up again, you know, or mm-hmm. in a different way. And it's just a constant learning. I mean, I, I think that we actually grow up to become real adults once we have children and raise them. So, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure it's, it's probably the same with being a nanny to children, you know, because no matter who you are, they do the same thing to everybody, <laughs> to all the grownups. <laughs> yep. If you ever need uh, to be taken down a peg, ask a kid to draw your portrait. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they will find or- everything. Hey, since we're talking about power struggles tonight, one of the things that you can ask them to do is show me, make the face that I make when I'm mad at you. That's a great one. That is great. Thank you. little bonus before we even get into it. (laughs) Well, let's start talking about it. So so what is a quote-unquote power struggle? What does that look like? So as I was preparing for this, I became really smart and I said, well, a power struggle is a struggle of power. (laughs) So really what a power struggle is, is when two people want something different and start fighting over it, right? So in the case of an adult-child relationship in particular, it's when someone, usually the bigger person, is trying to make someone, usually the smaller person, do what they want them to do, right? right? And they are not getting their way. And that's when power struggles ensue. So, um, so, so before you know it, you know, please do this. No, I don't want to do it. Yes, you do it. No, I don't want to. You can't make me. Yes, I can. You feel it. You feel the tension rising. Mm-hmm. And so before you know it, you have a tug of war. We call that a tug of war. And I want everybody listening to this really thinking, imagining that you're on both sides. You're on one side. You're holding a rope. And you have the other person on the other side holding a rope and you're literally having a tug of war. It's a very important image to keep throughout the talk, right? And um, very quickly before you know it, instead of being about what we were trying to resolve in the beginning, put your backpack away, it's time to do your homework, eat your broccoli, um, uh, you know, don't don't hit uh, your little brothers, (laughs) things like that. And before you know it, share your toys, right? It becomes about... I'm right, you're wrong. I'm going to win, you're going to lose, right? Right. So we literally have, because 
another way of talking about a tug of war is it's a war. And I don't know about you, but in my world, in the war, there's never winners. There's only right. losers, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And yeah, and you can, <laughs> I've, I've watched, you know, kind of out of body experience, watched as mm. you enter mm -hmm. one of those and sometimes you see them coming mm -hmm. and you're just like, I, I see that this is the wrong direction, but I don't know how to correct at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Cause I think exactly. as nannies, we see them and we can also see them <laughs> that we call it, or I call it the like witching hour of when the parents get home or like mm -hmm. not even an hour, but you know, that like 30 minute overlap where there's parents there and you're still there and you're trying to communicate about the day and the kids often choose that moment to uh, go wild. And um, and so I, I feel like I have noticed it a lot there because the parents and I are both trying to – so it's it's this three-way tug of war kind of. Mm -hmm. with, you're like, who's who's really in charge here and what set of rules are we following and all that good stuff. So mm – -hmm. uh, I feel like I see it more clearly when it's between the parent and the child. And then I can see it in myself too. Right. So. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. I can totally see that happening. And it makes so much sense. Yeah. It so, it's, it's the bewitching hour anyway, that evening hour where right. it's like around dinner time, around, you know, just between dinner time and bedtime and, and the kids have not had their parents all day. And uh, now you're trying to talk, have adult conversation and they just and all they want is their parents and they probably I hope there's no parents listening but I imagine that kids at some point want to make their parents pay for not being there all day and yeah, so yeah, this yeah. would be the ideal time right yep exactly so. um so yeah so what are some signs that you can uh see when a kid is is trying to engage you in a power struggle what are some things that come up well, I don't know that you're going to have um, kid warning signs. I mean, your kid warning signs that the kid is kind of like slowly ramping up is yeah. you probably know the children that you're working with or for. Right. And, and uh, so you probably know the, the warning signs, the little flags that tell you. You probably also know because you all the have been doing this for a while as your profession. So you probably also know, you know, the times when kids get tired, hungry, you know, all these, all these things that, that create um, unsettling moments where a power struggles might, might easier happen. But really the, the telltale sign for you as the grown up mm -hmm. that a power struggle is starting to happen, about to happen, is going to happen, is happening, is you are feeling angry. You have an emotional reaction, you have a strong emotional reaction, and it is a reaction of anger. You are not just annoyed, you're not just like slightly frustrated, you are, and I'm just going to be polite, I'm going to say you are mad, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when you know you're in the power struggle. And it really is important to know, to realize that that's 
when you're in a power struggle with somebody else is when you are mad. That's your, 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 your sign. And it's important to know that and to be aware of that happening because that's when you're going to apply the strategies that we're going to talk about in this talk. If you're just slightly annoyed, you know, a little bit frustrated and you're not really mad and angry, you're not going to be using the same, the same strategies. Okay. So it, yeah. let me give you the example that you just spoke about before. You have um, parents coming home, kids tired. You're trying to talk to the parents and explain to them something that happened during the day that they need to know, or they're asking you a question. And the kid is kind of like, one of the kids is kind of like, you know, pulling on your, you know, clothes or, uh, or, you know, going over to mom and, and just saying, mom, 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 mom. Do you know, do you know, what I'm yes. t- can you picture yes. that? Right. <laughs> and, but people, the, the, either the, either the parent or you are just get, getting slightly annoyed. That is not a power struggle. Okay. You know, you're in a power struggle when you are angry mm-hmm. and you want to get your way. Yeah. And I heard, I heard you just take in a lot of breath. And so there, there's certainly physical signs, um, you know, like your face feels flushed, you are taking in more air, your heart starts to speed up, you feel your muscles tense. So just like we teach our little ones to pay attention to when their body is trying to tell them something. Exactly. It's a good reminder for us too of, of the actual physical signs of anger. Absolutely. So you need to know your own anger manifestations. So everybody has different ones. Mm -hmm. So the ones you described are definitely some of them and then there's others and then not everybody has the same. Right. But you really need to know yourself, know thyself and know your anger manifestations. And when you feel those coming on, that's when you know you're in a power struggle. Yes. And by the way, the other, t- you, you, the other th- parts of that, that uh, list are you want to make someone do something. Mm-hmm. You want to win. You want to actually win and have them do what you just asked them to. And then eventually what happens is what you just said a moment ago, which is you feel trapped. Like you don't know how to get out of this. Right. You said you asked something. They said no. And you went back and forth a few times and they're still not doing it. They're digging, digging their heels. And you're like, okay, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Right? So then at, that, at the end of that, you feel trapped. So that's another another one of your signs and clues that you're in a power struggle. Great. Um, and so I just really quickly, some things to keep in mind as a nanny uh, are when to to know thyself, like you said, about when you're feeling angry, but also know thyself when you're particularly vulnerable. <laughs> For me, mm-hmm. if I am hungry – uh, my day does not, it's not going to go as well if I'm, if I'm very hungry. <laughs> and so just like I pack snacks for the kids, I also make sure that I have snacks for myself because if I don't, then I'm more likely to reach anger level instead of being able to be in that annoyed space. Absolutely. Well, there's a whole list of things that could happen to you that would put you in that space of of actually being the one who wants to start the the fight, right? So right. you have exactly hunger is definitely one of them. 
exactly the same as the kids. I mean, the list is the same on both sides. Mm-hmm. You're tired, you're hurting, you know, some you, you hurt your back or something, you're not feeling well for whatever reason, you're upset with your employer for some reason, you didn't get a pay raise, you had a friend a fight with your boyfriend or with your mother, uh, you didn't you didn't get the other job that you wanted, you read your card that morning or you st- you you were late at work because of a traffic jam. Who knows? Right. All of those things are definitely going to set you up for not being in a good place uh, to deal with whatever. For sure. So yeah, also just keep in mind as we're talking through these things, ways that you can set yourself up for success to Mm -hmm. better uh, engage with a child in a healthy way. Um, So yeah. So if you are, if you start to feel angry and you're like, oh man, <laughs> the the power struggle's coming. Uh, what are what are some ways that you can steer away from that? Well, that is. <laughs> I know that's as, a big question. <laughs> no, that is as varied as the. Um, you know, we just talked about all the different anger manifestations. Mm-hmm. Know know yourself. So everybody has different ways of feeling anger and feeling it coming on. Then we also talked about all the reasons why you might get angry, and so all the ways that you're going to calm yourself down are also as varied as as people. But but the one thing I can tell you as a life coach and a meditation and mindfulness practice coach is there is one antidote to pretty much everything and that is breathing breath right so you've heard me already since the beginning of this this take a few deep breaths a bunch of times and that is really just the universal magical antidote to anything so take one or two or three deep breaths and it will calm you down calm your nervous system down bring your blood you know your um uh, your, your breathing, blood pressure, thank you, breathing down, etc., and really calm you down and, and really just bring mindfulness and center you, you know, uh, into the equation. So that's really, really important. Um, of course, it goes without saying all these things that we just talked about, of course, you can't stop the traffic, you can't stop, you know, being having had a fight with somebody. But again, every one of, of these steps you, you, you walk in and you've just been in traffic or you walk in and you just had a fight or you walk in and you're, you're um, hurting, you hurt your back or something, just the mindfulness of it, you know, just check in with yourself before you get into the house, take a few deep breaths in the car before you walk in and take stock of how you're feeling and what's going on with yourself. And if there's anything that you can do, like if your back is hurting, you know, getting out of the car and stretching, or if you are, if you've had a fight with somebody, you just really um, bringing in, peace about that conversation and thinking about the good qualities of this other person to try to see if you can just, you know, um, calm down about that, um, et cetera, you know, take a Tylenol, but, but it starts with the mindfulness and the awareness that something's not going well. And then, you know, whatever physical steps you can take to make yourself feel better is, is definitely, uh, the antidote. Yeah. And I also, um, have found really good success with when I am, feeling a certain way, especially if I'm in pain or something like that, uh, telling my nanny kid if they're old enough. Yes. And even if they're not old enough, I think even speaking to a baby and being like, you know what? My back really hurts today would be helpful. But um, especially toddlers, they're such – their hearts are huge and they Mm. want you to feel great. One time I I told – my little one, I was like, I can't get down on the floor and play Legos with you because my back is really achy today. And 
from then on, even to this day, and this was like a year ago that I said it, Mm. he will often ask me, can we play Legos on the floor or would you rather do the table because your back hurts? And like, it's, it's just so sweet. (laughs) Isn't it? It's just amazing. And so I think speaking those vulnerabilities to the kids, um, you know, and you can, if you know, you got in a fight with your boyfriend, you can say, I I got in a disagreement with someone I really care about and it's bothering me or, you Mm -hmm. know, put it in a way that they can understand. But, but yeah, I think that's really helpful too, because then they know. (laughs) I agree. And, and I think, I wasn't going to talk about this, but since you're bringing it up, um, there's actually this, I don't know if, I, if I've mentioned this before to you, but I'm actually French. And there is this uh, French psychiatrist who's now passed away, but she was really big in the 60s. And she was the first infant psychiatrist ever to mm-hmm. exist. Wow. And the reason why she was the first one is because she was firmly believed that little human beings were human beings of language and comprehension from the minute basically that they were conceived and definitely from the moment that they were born. And she was the one who was a very strong uh, proponent of not, uh, you know, um, babying the kids and talking to them in, 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 in baby language and, and because it's a way of, in fact, belittling those little human beings who actually right. understand a lot more than we think. And so you're just, you're just making that, that point here. And I think I, I fully agree with you. That's a, a very important and a very respectful thing to do. And actually, it really contributes to their growth. It's, it's really emotion coaching in a way. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. teaching empathy. It's modeling vulnerability. I mean, it has so many layers of, of wonderful um, qualities, you know, to do what you just said. So, yeah. Yeah. So as you're checking in with yourself, also, I think, yeah, speaking it out loud mm-hmm. is, is very helpful uh, mm-hmm. and can help keep the power struggle uh, from even from even starting um, potentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> potentially. You know, that is if still... you were about to, that, that is if you were the one about to start it because you were in the right place. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know even for me, like when I'm when I'm in a bad place and I, I feel particularly vulnerable to anger or to to wanting control, which I think a lot of power struggles potentially come from, you're just like, I just need this to go right. I need those boots to end up <laughs> on mm-hmm. the boot tray. Those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And so I think a lot of that comes from this this place of wanting – you know, things to go right when things don't feel like they're going right. And even just speaking that to the child, a lot of times the child will surprise me of being like saying or doing something once I've told them that will that will change me away from uh, feeling that way anymore, Absolutely. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their their ability to express kindness and empathy is is just amazing. Absolutely. Um, so they often will do things like be like, "Can you play Legos on the floor?" And then I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you're so sweet." And then and then I I don't want to win anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Yep. Um. Okay. So temper tantrums and power struggles. Are they the same thing? So yes and no. Yes, they are. You know, a tantrum is um, can be can be defined as a power struggle. It is the power struggle of the 
uh, terrible twos, mm-hmm. right? So the terror, everybody knows about the terrible twos. And uh, I kind of joke about the fact that really everybody thinks it's what happens when they're two years old. But in fact, it is what happens between the time they're two and four. It lasts for two years. Yes. And that's why it's called the terrible twos. And it culminates at the age of the tantrum, which is four years old. So four years old, developmentally, that's when kids typically have tantrums a lot. And that is completely developmentally appropriate because this is when they realize that they can say yes and that they can say no. Mm -hmm. And this is when they realize that when they say yes and no, they actually have an impact on those big giants around them that, (laughs) that can, that they thought were almighty. And suddenly they realize they're not. And this is also the time where they want to go and become independent and do their own thing. And at the same time, um, it's, uh, they don't want to go too far away because it's really scary. So they have this like push pull mm-hmm. and, um, or they want the ice cream, but they also want the popsicle or they want, you know, to play with the truck, but they also want to, you know, play with the, uh, with the dolls, etc., etc. Right. So that they, it's, it's basically like schizophrenia. It drives them absolutely yeah, crazy yeah. and their brains cannot process all this stuff. And, then they start getting upset and angry and then they don't have the brakes to stop themselves yet. Right. And that's why it's developmentally appropriate at that age. And then they lose control. So they become out of control, which really is what a tantrum is. Mm-hmm. Anger, anger outbursts in general. So power struggles is also about people getting out of control, right? But at four years of age, you have absolutely no idea how to stop yourself. And now you're in this downward spiral and you're kind of like, you, you have this out of body experience and you are so scared about what's going on to you because you're feeling yourself losing control. You don't know how to regain control. And on top of that, typically people around you really have strong reactions to your tantrum and are trying to do something about it. And that just fuels the fire, right? Yes. So that's that's a tantrum. Um, and the reason why it's it's power struggle is because of course it's very going to very often going to happen when they want something that you don't you you don't want to give to them or you're giving them choices and they don't have the ability to make a choice or you give them choices and they make another choice right, right. so this is when they kind of their brain kind of like explodes on you um where it's different though is um that it's only going to be a power struggle if you as the grown-up get into it with them Mm-hmm. Right. So then and that, again, is when you make it when we the grownups make it so much work worse right. is when if we get into it with them, because since it's an out of control explosion that they really get scared about, if we add to it by saying, you know, uh, go in time out or, you know, um, start yelling at them, etc. We, we're just like, um, you know, increasing, increasing the problem versus solving it. But yeah. again, if you don't get into it, if you're capable as the grown up to stay kind of out of it and uh, stay very calm and deal with a tantruming child by saying, you know, I see that you're really upset right now and I'm really sorry you're feeling that way. Um, I, I, I can't help you right this minute. So I'm going to stay here and wait until uh, you're feeling better. And then I'll be ready to, um, you know, to give you a hug if you want a hug or we can talk about it. You know, I'll be right here. And you can and then, you know, your child, you know, the child and you know, if they want you to be really close, some children are literally flailing so much that they actually need to be held. Right. So if they're hurting themselves, if they're trying to hurt you, if they're trying to break something because they're so out of control physically, then you need to hold them. And then the best way to hold the child that's doing this is from the, from behind, right? Mm-hmm. So you're definitely going to want, and you want to hold them firmly, but kindly. So this is not about hurting them. This is just about, you know, giving them a sense of, of security really and stopping the flailing and making sure nothing bad happens. Right. right. Um, 
But if, if it's not that bad, you can propose to a child, you know, do you want me to stay here or do you want me to be in the other room and just give them a choice if they're still capable of making that choice or you just decide yourself, you know, I'm going to be here, I'm here for you. Uh, and I'm ready to, you know, I'm here to, to hold you or, or hug you or talk about this when, when you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful <laughs> to just extend that to them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, awesome. Yeah. So what can you do, uh, before the power struggle to help the child and to help yourself? So, um, there is, a bunch of strategies that mm-hmm. uh, when you when you know it's coming and, uh, you know, either because you have identified that something's up with you or because you've identified something's up with a child or because you have a repeated scene that happens on a regular basis, whatever, you, you see the telltale signs, right? So right. Uh, the, the first thing you want to do is you really want to treat the child as you would treat a friend. Mm-hmm. Do you have an idea what I mean by that? Yes. So instead of telling them what to do or, um, I often treat it with curiosity, try to come at it Mm -hmm. from a place of curiosity of, of Mm -hmm. what do you think's going on here? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think speaking to what you're seeing is Mm -hmm. also really powerful. Exactly. I see a child getting all red in the face and, and their fist like getting really clenched up. I can, mm-hmm. I can see it's coming. Um, and what I mean by treating a child as you would a friend is also uh, treating them with respect. Yeah. Right. So you yeah. wouldn't, you see a friend get him like a set and you wouldn't say, oh, I mean, some people might, you know, but right. typically you wouldn't say, you know, stop that now. What are you, what are you, you know, this is ridiculous. Why are you getting so upset about this? Yeah. Right. This is, I mean, sometimes we might make that mistake, but typically this isn't, we know instinctively this is not the best way to treat a friend. So we want to treat them with kindness, with respect, with empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is you really want to stop making the child, um, stop, I'm sorry, trying to make the child do what you want. Right. Right. Because that's typically when those things start happening. Mm-hmm. As I said in the beginning, you want them to do something they don't want to either because you want them to in the first place or because they really have something else in mind. Um, but either way, if you stop doing that, so if you drop that rope, right, it takes two to be on the on the two sides of that rope, which is the reason why I was making such a big uh, deal about that, that, yeah. that image of the tug of war. It takes two to tango. It takes two to be in the tug of war. If you let go of the rope, Guess what happens? There's no tug they of war. They will fall anymore, down, right? But <laughs> right, <laughs> yep. right, exactly, right. So that's that's um, and that's what you do when you stop trying to make the child do what you want them to do. Yeah. You, you drop that rope, and then you also want to pick your battles, right? There's only so many things that we can deal with in a, any given day. So many things that we can teach a child, and we, that that we even should teach a child on every every given day. So pick your battles. Really pick the stuff that's really important right here, right now, that's important today, that's important right now, this month, or this year that you're trying to teach the child and let go of everything else, right? Yeah. Because that's how you get in power struggles is also when you're trying to achieve too many things at once, when you're trying to control too many things, when, you know, mm-hmm. so that's another thing. Um, you want to make sure to keep things impersonal so that I don't know. You you tell me if it's a little bit easier when you're a nanny than when you're a parent, but when you're a parent, it's very difficult to not take things personally because they have yeah. those kids, they have PhDs and parents' buttons. 
you know. So I don't know if they have PhDs in nanny buttons. My they guess is do. they probably do, right? They probably do as they well. They figure them so, out very quickly. Yeah. And so that's why it's really important to keep things impersonal and to realize that the job of a child, in order to grow, the job of a child is to push the buttons and to push the limits. That's what they're supposed to do. It's their job. It's how they grow, right? Mm-hmm. It's how they learn. So, so knowing that, it's really good idea to just not try to take things personally because they are not, it is not about you and your button. It's about them pushing the button to learn something, you know? So, and then the last thing that's really important and that's what people have the most trouble with is it's okay with children who are verbal to give them the last word. So Uh with the very often what happens is it becomes a verbal, you know, you have a fight about something and then it's verbal. So you say, yes, you will. No, I won't. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Don't talk to me like that. You're not being respectful, et cetera, et cetera. What really matters in that moment is to try to get the problem solved that you're trying to solve. So if they're finally putting the boots on the boot rack, like you told, you talked about Mm -hmm. before, and they're saying, you're such, I hate you as they're doing this, let that go. Right. Because what you wanted to happen is happening. That last part doesn't matter. Right. Right. So very often they need to have this sense of victory in the end. And it's fine. You know, if because if you get into that again, you're, you're back at it. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's how that's that. Those are some of the strategies that you can do to um, to avoid getting into the power struggle in the first place. Those are really important kind of um ground rules to remember to try to remember yes easier said than done i know i know so if we missed up and we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of the power struggle what are what are some strategies during a power struggle that we can use so i'm gonna just talk to you about for for one minute about the brain yeah there's something really fascinating about the brain and that is that you cannot both be emotional and reactively emotional and logically thinking at the same time. Mm. The brain just doesn't do that. The brain doesn't multitask between super emotional and totally rational. It's either one or the other. So when we, Dan Siegel, who's a famous um, uh, neuroscientist uh, and wrote so many books about the brain and mindfulness, et cetera, uh, talks about that. He says, you know, when you flip your brain, in other words, when you have gotten into emotion, it's too late. Mm-hmm. At that moment, what you have to do is you just have to calm down. You, 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 and you need about 20 minutes, 20 to 40 minutes to regain full functionality of your rational human thinking brain. Wow. Right? So <laughs> once you are in the power struggle, in other words, remember the definition. That means you're mad. Mm-hmm. You are therefore in high emotion, heightened emotion. The only thing to do in that moment is get out of it. Right. Extricate yep. yourself. Go I'm sorry, I'm saying that. I think it's just a funny expression because I'm French. I can say that. You go take a chill pill, okay? Yeah, yeah. You just go take time to cool off. And so, again, knowing, know thyself. Know what you need to cool off. We talked about what you can do before you even get there. But once you're in it, it's really hard to have that, that awareness, you know, right? When, once you are in emotional brain and once you are really mad, it's really difficult in that moment to tell yourself, uh-oh, I'm really mad. I better go take a chill pill. But really, that's the only thing that, that you should be doing in that moment. Because nothing rational is ever going to come out of two people fighting, of two people being angry. Nothing. Right. There's no teaching, no learning, nothing. Yep, yep. And so, um, so just as a, as a question, so how would you, if you are, 
you're engaged in the power struggle with the child and you know that you need to take a break. What are some ways that you can let the child know that you're going to go take take a chill pill and yes. and keep them safe and keep them feeling loved and all that good stuff? Right. So um, it's a little bit like the modeling that you were talking about before, right? When you were mm-hmm. saying about just speaking your vulnerability. And that is just fantastic modeling. I mean, you could not be a better teacher than in those moments if you're, if you're capable of doing this. And so uh, in, I'm French, right? I told you before. And in French, when we say we're angry, we say, I have mustard rising up my nose. J'ai la moutarde qui me monte au nez. My kids used to hate that expression. They thought it was so gross. So I would just look at them and say, you know what, guys? I have mustard rising up in my nose. And they'd go, you, that's disgusting. Well, but um, but um, that would be the sign that I would tell them. So so what we tell parents is really just to take the kids, tell the kids, because they very often know this expression very well, I need to go take a time out. Uh-huh. I am getting really upset right now. And I think that in a second, I'm going to do or say something that I will later regret. Nothing good is going to come of that. So please give me a little bit of space. I need to go take a time out. I need to go just take a few deep breath so I can calm myself down. You don't have to say all of that, but say right. some portion of it, depending on the age of the child. Right. And so very often what happens is depending on the child, depending on how upset they are in the moment, they might want to continue the power struggle with you they don't want you to drop that rope so they're going to follow you and they're going to cling on to you or whatever right and right. so you just turn around you face them you get at their level and very respectfully you say you you know what i really need your help here i just need a few moments you can even get them to go get a timer somewhere or put the kitchen timer on say go put the timer on for one minute and when one minute is up you can come get me but please let me go take a breath yeah yeah right? And if you're listening to this and you would like a little bit more in depth of that kind of moment, the conflict resolution episode with Katie Leineke is is great. She really goes like step by step of ways to to get that space that you need for mm-hmm. conflict resolution, which mm-hmm. power struggles and conflict resolution, it's there's going to be a lot of overlap in these two episodes, but I think that it is well worth it because Mm -hmm. it's, it's a part of our lives. It happens. Nanny. It happens. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, I, I, um, so if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I wish there was, I wish this episode was twice as long, which I know we all will feel that way. You can go listen to the conflict resolution episode, just as a reminder. Um, Let me summarize, just because there's a few things I didn't say about what what you can do when you're in the middle of it, right? So first, extricate yourself. Take a chill pill. Take time to cool off. Go take a time out. Refuse to fight or give in. Stay firm and friendly. So you're, I'm not going to fight with you. You know, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to let you hurt me. I need to go. Stay firm and friendly. And it's also sometimes very helpful if you're able to. You might not be, depending on how advanced the stage of your... (laughs) of your, you know, reactive brain is, but, but it really is very helpful to find, identify what we call the needs of the situation. Mm. I call that the NOS needs of situation. So nose, remember the nose, Mm. what is, what is really trying to happen right now? What, what am, what are we trying to achieve? What problem are we trying to solve? Keeping blame out, 
people out because that's really in the end always what it's about. It's always about trying to solve a problem. So eating broccoli, not not throwing food when we're sitting at the table, putting the boots away, the backpacks away, doing the homework, getting to bed, getting in the bath, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. It's always about trying to solve a very practical life problem. So remembering what it is that we were trying to solve in the problem in the first place often can, since you're by definition, taking the people out of it kind of like can calm you down, right? Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is, is if you happen to be in public, right? So you are at the supermarket, you are at the playground, the thing you really want to do is you want to do this privately. So you are not solving any issues like that in public ever because that's going to, that's a guaranteed um, recipe for failure. Right, right. Yes. Those are all great tips. So if you are out in public, you know, at the park or the grocery store or whatever, um, just saying like we need to to discuss this later or um, yeah, any of those types. I of things. see. I see that. Um, I see that you've decided to hit Joe on the head, and that's not appropriate behavior. We need to go home now. Mm -hmm. Or I see that you've decided to uh, push all of the cans off of this shelf in the supermarket and uh, this is going to create some problems. So we need to go home now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, that's so hard, though. But I, I know it's really important. But yes, mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very difficult at times to do that. Mm -hmm. um, great. So then after a power struggle, you've taking your time, you've calmed down. Um, they, you know, maybe put the boots back on the boot tray, but they cursed you as they did it. <laughs> um, so what can you do in the aftermath of a power struggle to help for next time? So after, I'm glad you said it like that, after, right? So you've had the power struggle at four o'clock when you were coming back or three o'clock when you were coming back from the playground. And now you're, um, you're making dinner, you're having dinner, you just had dinner, right? And you're just like peacefully playing next to each other or, you know, whatever. You're, you're just in a quiet time. And the incident happened a little while ago. And so you'd say, you know, honey, I, I just want to talk about something. And get their attention politely, you know, don't interrupt them when they're in the middle of a very fascinating Lego game or whatever, you know, <laughs> right. just get their attention, making sure they're okay to speak. And then say, you know, there's this thing that happened at the park today and it happened last week and it happened the week before. I don't know if you remember when you were, we were trying to leave and then you got really upset because you didn't want to leave and then you started hitting other children with your toys and I... I don't like that. You know, it makes me very upset and we never leave peacefully. And then we kind of get, we're upset for a while and you're all riled up and it takes a, a while to calm down. I wonder how you feel about that. You know, and I wonder what you think would be helpful to just do this better next time. You know, what do you think would help you? How can we do this better? Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's really, we talk about, I talk about, there is nothing better to help grow children and to solve problems with them than to get them involved in problem solving. Yes. Right. To have a grown up conversation with them and just, again, putting that vulnerability on the table. You know, we have this issue. We have this thing that's really not working well. It's we, it's not you, it's not anybody wrong. It's just like this problem that we're trying to solve and that keeps reoccurring that we're not really solving that well and navigating well. Help me here. 
What can we do to make this better? How do you feel about that? First, it's always really good to hear them out, right? Right. And uh, because that's so empowering and so respectful. And then, um, and then ask for their cooperation, ask for their input. And you will just, it, it is so miraculous to do that because they have such amazing ideas, right? Yeah. And then, so that's what we call really logical consequences is really coming up with solutions with the children to the problem that we're having with them. And, um, and then the reason why they're called logical consequences is because we establish them with the child. And then we also say, so imagine I'm, I'm giving the example of the, of the um, playground, right? Mm -hmm. And the child says, well, I, you, you always tell us it's time to leave. And then we have to leave like right away. And then I don't have time to get ready to leave. And, and I didn't say goodbye to all my friends and I didn't say goodbye to the swing. And, you know, I need more time. You say, okay, well, that's fair. So how much time do you think you need? And so very often, if they're little, they're not going to know, right? But you go right. back and forth and you come up with a plan. And at the end, you say, you know, I think that's a really good plan. Let's shake hands and let's try that for a week and let's see how it goes, right? And then you say, but hold on one sec. I want to know, what do you think we should do if that plan doesn't work this week? Like, mm -hmm. say we try this tomorrow and then I've given you the 15 minutes warning and then the 10 minutes and then the five minutes. And then I'm getting up and walking without saying another word, like we decided to the car and you're not following me. And then on top of that, you still, you still hit your friend. What should I do then? Right. right. And then they come up with the most insane punishment <laughs> ideas that you have ever heard. So, well, then you, you whisk me away and you lock me in the trunk of the car and we never go to the playground ever again. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so you um, you say, well, that might be a little extreme, honey. Right. <laughs> but anyway, you come up with plan B. You come up with a consequence of what's going to happen if the agreement doesn't work in the moment, right? And then mm -hmm. you implement that. And so when that happens, it's logical. They right. have had input in it. They have decided. It follows. You don't have to say anything anymore. You just do. You just act. And because they know that they were part of that discussion, they kind of like chose that solution. They get mad at themselves. Right. Not at you. <laughs> it's just the best learning ever. Right. Yeah. So fast forward a week. You've tried this for a week. It's worked once. It didn't, didn't work a couple of times. You then had to go to plan B once or whatever. You come back and you say, so what do you think? How did it work? Right. And so it either worked great or it didn't or somewhere in between. And then you tweak it and you go back to the drawing board and something like that. So that's that's problem solving. That's logical consequences established together with the child. Now, there's another kind of consequence that is, um, I call it God, God's gift to, you know, people <laughs> who take care of little kids or kids in general, actually, not just little ones, yeah. big ones too. And that's the natural consequence. And the natural consequence <laughs> is what happens when you do nothing. So this is when, you know, the child, for example, you're talking about the, um, okay, the boots. So this is the case where in the morning they refuse to put their shoes on and it is snowing outside. And you say, well, it's up to you. It's your feet and it's your shoes. So you decide what you want to do. But you might want to go out, look at the window and, and see, or open the door and put your little toes outside and see what you want to do. And they still don't want to put the shoes on. So, okay, we'll just take them in the bag and we'll go outside. Uh, we'll, you know, go to the playground, like we said, and you let them walk outside barefoot. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, but do you, do you hear me? I mean, I'm not yeah. saying anything punitive. It's like, fine, you know, we'll put them in the bag and they'll be there. And, 
And so then they say, oh, it's really cold. It really is hurting my feet. Say, yeah, snow is really cold. It really hurts toesies. So you want to put your shoes on now? Here they are. Here's the bag, right? Right. Um, but it's not so, – you're not shaming them. You're not being like, oh, well, now, like I told you. <laughs> told you so. Yeah, nothing right. like that. <laughs> told you so. Told you so breaks a natural consequence in two seconds and turns it into a punishment, right? right. Because now it's back to power struggle. It's yeah. you – I win, I won, and you lose, right? You are less than I and you don't – you know? So mm-hmm. exactly. It's the whole shaming thing. It's terrible. Right. So, yeah, I love that of just – okay. Here are your shoes. If you want to put them on now, they're here for you. <laughs> Another thing to avoid to kind of like deal with power struggles when you're in the moment and you're you're kind of staying mostly calm. You're not quite, you know, flip flip your brain yet state. Um, you can use a lot of choices. So, again, mm-hmm. be careful with choices between two and four years old. That's when it really is um more difficult for kids we usually still do it but you right. just can't give 25 choices to a two-year-old that that's really going to drive them crazy but you know the 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 choice giving is extremely empowering so it's what we call giving freedom within limits so for example you can either um walk to the bath or you can hop to the bath um right. you can either brush your teeth yourself or you can brush my teeth and i can brush your teeth what you prefer right <laughs> as soon as you're done with eating then we can go play the game then we can go play a game right let's finish eating first right so as soon as then when then you can either or and then at the end you all say always say you decide those are the very very powerful ending words you can either hop to the bath or walk to the bath you decide you can as soon as you're done with your with your meal, we can go play a game. You decide. Right? You can put yeah. your boots on or you can go barefoot. You decide. Yep. Um, one thing to keep in mind uh, with that is when you're offering choices, make sure that you are okay with whatever oh. they choose. Because yes, thank you very if much. there's one that you were hoping they weren't going to choose, they 100% will choose that one every time. So. And once that you've ends. given them that choice, if you take it away, oh, that's right. so much trust broken. Exactly, exactly. And then the other thing that this just brings up for me that I didn't say is, you know, you have choice between A or B. Guess what? Even if you chose A and B that you're really perfectly fine living with, mm-hmm. guess what's often going to happen too? <laughs> they will bring up choice C. C, exactly. And bringing up choice C is a choice. And it is perfectly legit for them to choose C, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is you need to then be prepared on your feet for, you know, whatever consequences. And again, consequence does not mean punishment. It's not about making people suffer. It's just, you know, we can either leave the park now or in five minutes. And they say in five minutes and then five minutes later, or, or they say in one hour. And then you say, well, I see that you've decided to not pick one of my two choices. So I will decide. You know, right. So that would be the answer to the choice C solution, for example. Yeah. Although if they bring up a choice C that is appropriate, is it okay to go with that? So if you said you can walk or hop to the bath and they say, well, I want to skip. Is that? Oh, see. I love that choice. Are you <laughs> kidding? I'll race you skipping. Yeah. Great. Great. Good I just idea, wanted to make honey. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if, if you're able to live with it, no, that's even better. Again, when they come up with the ideas, when they, oh, it's just, uh, you can watch them grow under your very eyes when you do that. It's just mm-hmm. amazing. 
Yeah. And I think with that, um, kind of the barometer for if the choice is a good one or not, is is the problem getting solved? So the reason that you gave them the choice in the first place, is it getting solved by choice C that they're bringing up? And if it is, then great. <laughs> and if it's not, then you might need to readjust or say you didn't take one of my choices so I will now choose or mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah, I, I love that, that mm-hmm. if they come up with choice C and it's it's fine, then yeah, go for it because they have ownership over that now. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Now, one thing I want to point out about that is when you use the language when, then, or either, or, mm-hmm. that's very empowering. Mm-hmm. There is one little tweak that a lot of people do without really knowing and that is using the word if Uh, if you do this then and that's can you feel it in your bones it's how different that is because as soon as you say if you imply that that's what you think they're going to do so you're really setting people up for failure when you say if mm -hmm. if with the finger raised if you do this i'm assuming that's what you're going to do right so this is really like saying like I'm thinking you're going to just choose the bad choice, right? right. So that's really – we we I really highly recommend just like scrapping the word if from people's vocabulary because it's um, it's actually setting yourself up for power struggle. Right. And I also think if you're using it – I just used the word if. But um, if you're using it for a positive thing, the word if also introduces the fact that they could not. So – Let's say you are saying when you're done eating, we can go play the game. But if you say if we're done eating, (laughs) then there's this kind of open-ended that they might never be done eating or that they might not choose to finish up. So Exactly. Do you see how using if is like tangling the rope, dangling the rope in front of their nose. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So that's great advice and something that I haven't really thought about. And I have a feeling tomorrow I will hear myself uh, in a new way, which is great. I love I love experiencing that. Um, Great. So are there are there any other kind of more general tools we kind of did it timeline wise but are there tools that we missed in our in our talk yes so something very important i'm really glad you asked that because very often when we have a parenting conversation or a a child rearing conversation right Mm -hmm. we talk about remedial actions we talk about problems and how to solve the problems but really what is a better idea i think personally is to really kind of um, start from a place of encouragement, mm-hmm. right? So if you imagine you're building a house for, for children and, and adults, what you want is you want this house to be built on a foundation of encouragement because guess what? Cooperation comes together hand in hand with encouragement. So yeah. when people feel encouraged, when people feel good about themselves and feel good about things and feel good about belonging to a fa- to a family or to a, a group of people, guess what? They're going to want to be cooperative. You you want to be um, nice and serviable and helpful and uh, and uh, amenable to yeah. the people that you really like and with whom you have a great relationship and who are respectful to you and who treat you well, right? Mm-hmm. So and who empower you. So so. 
it's better. Remedial is going to happen because of what I said before. It is the job of children to push (laughs) buttons and push limits. That's how they grow. It is their job. It's the definition, right? Job definition. So this is normal. And no matter how much you build the house of encouragement for those kids to grow up on or in, um, you will still going to have, you're still going to have these issues, but you're going to have a lot less of them if you do like a, a foundation of encouragement. And what that is, let's talk about the kid who's very, uh, or kids who are very power struggling kids. So those kids are, are typically, you know, because some kids are born with different temperaments. So you right. have kids that are like the whiny kids and they kind of like always want attention. And then you got the kids who are just like head on all the time. That's what they do <laughs> is like they boom, right? So you have different temperaments. So imagine that you have a, um, a bunch of kids who are very strong on power struggle. Those kids, what they want when you want, when you're in power struggles, you want a lot of control power Power. right (laughs) power so those kids they want more power than than others they want more control than others and they have a right like everyone every other human being on this planet they have a right to be in control of themselves of their bodies of their hygiene of their schedule right so of course with kids unfortunately that doesn't always happen which is the reason why there's a lot of power struggles but but so what you want is you want to give kids to avoid a lot of power struggles you want to give and raise kids in a house where there's a lot of empowerment, Mm. positive empowerment, positive um, uh, giving control and allowing kids to be in control of themselves and their stuff and their business, right? Mm. And so if you do that on a day-to-day basis, you're definitely going to have a lot less power struggles. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that a really good episode to listen to about that, if that's an area that um, you want to improve is the growth mindset um, episode, which is the last one that Pascal was on. Um, because I, I think that having that growth mindset uh, culture is is a really good way to, to give them empowerment. Um, exactly. Yeah. So go listen to that one too. <laughs> but to, to be practical for just one second, because some people I'm just sitting here thinking somebody's on your call thinking what the heck does she mean and how do you do that right so um so you empower children by solving problem with them Mm -hmm. constantly like play dumb the the dumber you are the the more under functioning you are as a grown-up the more over functioning the kids are going to be around you right so you ask for help say i don't know should we first go to the supermarket on the way home or should we first go to whatever else you're going to do run uh, to the bank right tell me which one which way is the best um should we buy uh you know this vegetable or that vegetable for dinner? What do you think? What is best? What, what does what do mom and dad like for dinner, right? Um, yeah. And uh, um, Something that you know, I do with my kiddos all the time is I, if it's a route that we take a lot, I let them tell me where to turn. Exactly. Um, and that also helps them. If they ever get lost, they actually will potentially know their way home a lot better than exactly. if they're just sitting back there listening to – the wiggles, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And then those choices that I was ta- talking to you about before, about, you know, what they want to eat within the limits of, you know, healthy eating, mm-hmm. uh, what they want to wear that day, whether they want to put their shoes on or not, you know, all those empowering, I'm in control, I'm in charge of myself choices that we can give them that really help alleviate a lot of the power struggles. Yeah. Letting them decide what to wear is huge. Mm-hmm. And I I just, I love, because when I let them pick out their outfits, they pick out great outfits. 
And it's they then all day are reminded, you know, I chose this outfit. <laughs> so so I wonder how it is for um, for nannies if nannies um, have similar issues than parents do. But so th- there's so much ego involvement uh, for parents in how in the appearance and the obviously the behaviors of their children, right? But that's a very big issue where so many parents really care about. You know what their parents wear, what their what their kids wear, and yeah. and uh, if it fits together, or you know gender stuff, or what you know uh, temperature appropriate stuff, and and uh, it really gets in the way of the whole learning thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah, anyway, yeah. Can you I, tell it, frust- it frustrates me? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, one thing that uh, I do is I figure if it's in their drawer. <laughs> that their parents are okay with them wearing it. So, yeah, good uh, idea. So, so yeah, we, I have drawn the line, you know, because of their parents, if it were completely mm-hmm. up to me, I probably would be like, yeah, you can wear a costume piece mm-hmm. out in the world, which sometimes we do. But, mm-hmm. um, but usually I say, if it's in one of these drawers, then you can wear it. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and we go over the things that they, you know, the must haves, you need some, form of pants or shorts (laughs) you need some form of a shirt some form of underwear and some form of socks and then the coat you know we'll go on later but but yeah I usually let them pick but yes I do completely know what you mean with (laughs) that there is there is a lot of ego in it and I I certainly try to take that out when I when I'm helping them get dressed and I'm willing to bet that by giving them those choices, you probably have a lot less power struggle, especially around getting dressed than many others do. Right. And at the same time, I'm willing to bet that if I can tweak this even a little bit further, what you just said, you know, you have to have some form of pants or some, and you have to have some forts. And I could totally see a kid who's like a real big power struggler say, <laughs> Well, she wants me to have pants, so I'm going to fight the pants thing. I'm going to say I want to just wear underwear or I want to wear a, sur- a, sk- a skirt or, you know, or my bathing suit or whatever they might. You know, just because, see, that's the thing about the power struggle. As soon as you say, I want you to do this. Yes. Right? You're dangling <laughs> the rope. <laughs> yeah. And, like- so, and so you're setting yourself up for, and uh, by the way, or I just want to make this super clear, not saying don't give any limits. Right. That, that's absolutely not, not, not what we're saying <laughs> ever, right? So, of course, you need to have limits because those little people, they don't know everything yet. They don't know danger. They don't know health risk. You know, there's a lot of things they don't know. So, of course, we have to put limits around them. But, but you know, the whole trick is to figure out where those limits are. So, you know, typically, I told you that, that I, I work for this organization called PEP, and, and there's most PEP parents have let their children go to, you know, kindergarten or daycare in their underwear at least once or twice. <laughs> you know? yep. Again, not, not without the clothes in the bag, and they choose if they put them on in the car or when they get to school or whatever, you know, but, but that's kind of like part of that. Now, of course, I understand, too, that you guys probably have rules to follow and right. say, you know, not, yeah. you probably don't have the same freedom as, as, as parents do as far as those kinds of choices where some parents might just tell you, no, it's, just, it's <laughs> knowing outside the kid has to have shoes on and, and, and pants on or whatever, you know? So right. I, understand but that. I, I do find that, um, 
with my little ones, the way I usually do it is that I scaffold them into being able to choose their entire outfit. So we start mm-hmm. from a place where I will pick out three shirts, three bottoms, three different pairs of underwear, three different pairs of socks, and they can, you know, mix and match mm-hmm. from there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I say, you know, just choose one from each category and, you know, whichever ones you want. And then now that I've been with them for two years, we've gotten to a place where I can say, you can go into your drawer mm-hmm. and get, mm-hmm. you know, what you want. And so then yeah. now they have the whole drawer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless we're in a hurry and then <laughs> potentially yeah. we go back to the three choices. Yeah. 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 Uh, But I think that's about it. I can think of about, um, you know, other strategies beyond beyond what we had talked about before. So it's really about this whole remedial versus, um, you know, proactively building encouragement. Right. Right. And yeah. And putting um, in the lying episode, Katie talked about, you know, talking about a bank account of kind of trust with the kid of. Mm -hmm building up that credit with them of I'm not I'm not trying to make your life more difficult I'm trying to work exactly. with you to get through exactly day mm-hmm. in a absolutely happy. that's that's wonderful that's beautiful mm-hmm. yeah so wonderful well if someone's listening and they would like more resources uh they they want to study up on this particular topic what are some resources who for nannies who want to learn more so I want to point everybody to my website, even though there is absolutely very little about parenting there, just because I'm, you know, daytime, I'm a life coach and a business coach, and I help people with their challenges. Right. Um, so my my parenting work is really done through this organization called PET, but I'm just going to say that anyway. My website is www.thechallengecoach.com, um, and there is a lot of really interesting stuff on there. So PEP's there is. Uh, website you guys is- should absolutely go visit it. I've been there, and it's wonderful. Thank you. Um, and then Pep's website is www.pepparent, so P-E-P parent.org. And if um, you are not in the metro D.C. area and you cannot come take any of our online classes, then you can go to the uh, classes and programs tab under which there is an online tab now because we have oh, a, li- a growing library of online workshops and classes. We're about to launch our full long class also online class we have webinars i actually um have one webinar i did a few weeks ago which was called stop the yelling Uh and then there's another one that i'm doing this week which is um friendship and bullying bullying Mm. how to raise uh, a child in a dangerous world courageous child in a dangerous world so it's all about bullying so anyway you have those those webinars they cost very little uh per webinar and that's a great uh, way to access what we teach at um, no matter where you are and then there's a whole bunch of books and so i know you guys are going to send a link you're going to put on your website i think right a, mm-hmm. a link with all those resources so uh but there's one called um the the basic book that we always talk about is the positive discipline book by jane nelson so all those techniques that i talked about today are definitely in the positive discipline book by jane nelson then there's another one called raising respectful I'm sorry, Raising Respectful Kids in a Rude World mm-hmm. by uh, Gary McKay. Um, 
There is our friend and wonderful parent educator in Canada. She's the number one premier Canadian parent educator. She's on TV. She has a blog. She has a radio show. Her name is Alison Schaefer. She's a bomb and she is so fun. Um, and her, one of her books is called Breaking the Good Mom Myth. Um, mm -hmm. There's another one called Chores Without Wars. So if you're trying to get the kids to do some work around the house, um, it's called Chores Without Wars, Turning Housework into Teamwork by Lynn Lott and uh, Ricky Intner. So those are some, another one called Raising a Responsible Child, How to Prepare Your Child for Today's Complex World by Don Dinkmeyer and Gary McKay again. So Wonderful. those are all good books. That's, yes, thank you. And those will all be up on uh, the chroniclesofnania.com. And it's not the, I added the word the, chroniclesofnania.com. And, uh, and on Facebook, um, I will have those links for you all up there. Uh, thank you so much, Pascal. For sure, that. my pleasure. Are you going to be at the the Philadelphia um, Nanny Palooza? Uh, yes, I am actually. Okay, I great. I cannot remember the details, but right. yes, I, I've been talking with Sue about that, so um, it's the plan. Yeah. So as that gets closer, we I'll keep you guys, my listeners, informed about that. But if you can make it to the Philly uh, Nanny Palooza, that I just I I really appreciated hearing you speak. I went to all three of yours, uh, <laughs> your talks because it it really they're they're informative and it it does make such a big difference uh, in your in your nanny day to to not engage in these power struggles and to to work with your kids to create a, a day that everyone enjoys. It can be so much really. I mean, I told you when I think before you started the recording that I'm about to become uh, an empty nester. My 17 year old senior is leaving home um, in a few weeks. Actually we're visiting a college tomorrow and my heart is breaking in a million pieces because those were the best years of my life, you know? And so you, it does not have to be drudgery. It does not have to be, struggling it's uh, you know like people say oh the terrible twos well or the teen years you know and it really doesn't have to be that way really not again it's their job to push the limits it's not easy but it it doesn't matter what they do really it matters what we do as a yeah. reaction and you know you were asking me if there was something else and you were also asking me about a, a funny story in the beginning and something did come up Great. for me and that is um one thing i didn't mention today which i should have is the whole listening the whole respectful empathic reflective listening when kids have an issue deflates so many issues so you know you can you know your right. kid comes up to you and says um you know comes home from school or from daycare say i hate joe he hit me in the face and he's such a mean boy and i hate him and most people most grown-up would go no, no 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 we don't talk that way this is like bad you know bad language and we don't hate anybody in this house right guess what happens to the communication in that moment shuts down right? right versus if you say no no we don't hate and then they would say well i hate you and throw their bag in your, in your face and, and walk out the door and slam the door right so then you have there you go you have a power struggle on your hands um so listening right and so yeah. this reflective listening theatrical reflective listening which is getting into the kid's emotional realm right so if a kid is really really upset about something just staying really cool and saying oh well i hear you and i see and i see you're really upset and i'm really sorry right that's just 
it's it, it works. It's not bad. I'm not. I don't mean right. to make fun of this. <laughs> it's better than the but than alternatives. But it's even better if you can really get into it with them. Like it's like, oh my gosh. So so this little kid who comes home says, "Hey, Joe," you know, say. Oh my goodness, you are really upset about Joe today. What happened? Tell me more, right? Really right. getting into it. And so the funny story is I've been doing that throughout my life where after I've learned these techniques, I'd be witnessing episodes at the at the playground or in the supermarket, especially in the supermarket when kids are trapped in the uh, in the uh, what I call the carts. shopping carts and stuff like that, you know, and they are like throwing tantrums and screaming and yelling and crying. And if their parents were like really busy shopping or talking with somebody else i just look at them and i would just say not very loud but i just say oh my goodness you are so upset you're just not happy right now and they'd look at me with like like literally the jaws would drop all open probably because partially because i was a, a stranger talking to them but really matching that intensity and really seeing them for who they are in the moment and acknowledging acknowledging i see you i see you a strong emotion i can I like, I really feel it with you. Wow. Right. Without judging, without fixing, none of that stuff. Right. It's just like very often just deflates it, but it's, it's priceless. I mean, that's not why you're doing it, but watching that reaction is really just amazing. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. I, I have done that and it does. (laughs) It's, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Pascal. Um, this has been wonderful as always. You're, you're welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I'm, I'm so um, grateful, so grateful and appreciative to be able to share these things. And I, you know, they changed my life, my family life. I, I, I keep talking about this because I really think it makes a difference. Um, like you said, you know, it really um, makes a difference for, for the better for everyone involved. And I think that when we treat children those ways, we raise people that are just different in this world and the world really needs people that are respectful and empathic and emotionally intelligent and self-controlled. And yes, yes, it, it very much does. (laughs) So wonderful. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.